Okay, mate. Hi, everyone. This is KK Downing, formerly of Judas Priest, and you're listening to Focus on Metal, so crank it up as loud as you can. Hey, Headbangers. Scott here. Richie again. We are back for yet another week of Focus on Metal with Richie back in the studio again. Mm-hmm. And uh, like we talked about last week, we have a uh, great guest this week. And uh, once again, chatting with, at this point, it's almost like his drinking buddy, Jimmy Bell. Mm. Funny thing with Jimmy. Um, he's one of these guys that every so often will text each other. And... Um, I think I texted him a couple of weeks ago and just to wish him a happy birthday. And, you know, he's like, thanks very much, mm. Richie, and uh, we should do another interview. Yeah. So this is no PR, no, right. no, no none of that bullshit. Yeah. You know, he asked, could do another interview? And I said, I'll get back to you towards the end of the month. And I did. And I talked to him. Yeah. So there was, there was a, a kind of, I kind of looked out a little bit because right before... I spoke to him, Autograph announced that they were bringing out a record. Yeah. Which helped a lot because he's the new guitarist in Autograph and he's writing for the album. So I knew straight away, right, I can get into that with him. And I did. Yeah. Um, Because that's one of the reasons Jimmy's on. Yeah. Is to talk about Autograph because he wants to promote his shit and Mm -hmm. that's his his band. So we talked about that in House of Lords and various other stuff. But we we just, I just went with it. Where he went, I went. Yep. I spoke to him for an hour. Yeah. Um, I had stuff that I, I knew I hadn't really touched on with him in the past, went in depth with that. Stuff from his past now, not not current stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we just talked like two guys sitting at a bar. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed editing it because, you know, for some of the stuff, you, when you go back to some of the things that we used to do in the 80s, like, I you know, I texted you. I... I totally forgot about the whole deal of putting something on a cassette tape, putting it in an envelope, yeah. and getting the postmark. I mean, not that it was, you know, it's not like a legally binding copyright, but that's like stuff we used to do. And I'm like, holy crap, I used to, I forgot about doing that. And yeah, I still have, I know somewhere in my closet, um, I have all the real copyright forms. You it's had to DIY copyright. And, yeah. <laughs> It was, uh, but it was like that, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, we talked about was like, holy crap. Yeah, and you'll find out that. why in the interview we're bringing yeah. this up. Yeah. And you'll probably go, holy fuck, when yeah. you find out why. Yeah. Um, I kind of knew about that anyway, but mm. I really got into that with Jimmy. And again, you listen to the interview. Yeah. Um, you know, it's to do with a pretty big band. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but uh, yeah, Jimmy's great. Great, great player. I've, I've got a friend of mine. Um, he said he saw him a couple of years ago when House of Lords played a show in the US and they yeah. don't do that many and he said fucking Jimmy was amazing yeah um, I've never seen Jimmy never met him yeah which happens quite a lot to, well with COVID as well yeah I, I, well I, I remember we, you were actually were scheduled to meet him uh, an outdoor show in Connecticut yeah I was planning on going down and I think something went yeah you know, weather or something years, yeah. shitty um, and then when I spoke to him, when I did the interview with him recently, 
he was playing a couple of days later in Salisbury mm-hmm. and I was planning on going and the fucking weather was shit. Yeah. Like it was fucking snow and I was like, fucking hell. Like I, I can't, and that might have been the first show that I would have seen in fucking mm. two years. Yeah. And I didn't even go to that. <laughs> and that was him doing Deep Purple White Snake. Yeah. His cover vert band. Right. Beyond Purple. And that is BJ Zampo in the band that plays with Dokken now as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hoping to go see that and of course, that fucking fell by the wayside as well. So f- fuck knows when, when when I'm going to go see a show. But um, but yeah, I love talking to Jimmy. Yeah, lots of stuff. You yeah. know, and, and you did talk about the whole thing of you know this is pretty much a non PR. This was Jimmy just kind of like, hey, what about an interview? But um, you know, we talk about a band that lives on PR right now. It would be uh, the Mighty Priest. <laughs> <laughs> see. <laughs> And and I and, and it's funny. I, I I love sometimes when I get these immediate direct like responses back from you on a text, and just texting about the, you know, what do you think about this priest with uh, with one guitar player? However, I texted it, and you were basically like, "Fuck no." You see, we're we're, we're late to the party here, and this happens every fucking time we take a break. Some major news hits. Yeah. And we can fucking talk about it. Yeah, and, and we also don't dwell on clickbait either, so it's kind of like, eh, well, we'll get around to it. Yeah, and the thing about this one, it kind of, uh, it played itself out. Let's yeah. put it this way. It went from the band announcing that they were going out as one guitar band which to me was absolutely fucking ludicrous. Uh-huh. Because every single record they've done, they've done it as a two-guitar band. And that was, bit, that, was, that was part of the essence of the pre-sound, was the two-guitar attack. Yeah. And of course, you go on, I went on the band's social media, they put up the statement, and of course, the, what's the one song they kept fucking naming, how the fuck are you going to pull this off with one guitar, was Victim of Changes. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Um, it just didn't fucking look good. Which, uh, did, I don't know if you go, went, did you go to the show the last time they played this? Yeah, you did. I did. And, and they, and so we did actually see a one guitar version of Wave Victim of Changes on that show. Because if you remember. Glenn's guitar wasn't working. It was working. all fucked up. And so we just heard Richie do it. Yeah, but you see, I, I didn't see the Andy Sneap show. You saw the Andy Sneap show in Worcester. I, yeah. I didn't go to that. Right. I went to see the one before that in, in, in Lowell. Right, but that's the one we yeah. went to where, where, where his guitar is screwed up. Yeah. And it was just, and just Richie did the yeah. song by himself. Yeah. So so we, we have, granted, it's a one-off, but we did actually get to see Victim of Changes as a one guitar band. Yeah, so <laughs> Richie was a victim of change. Um, but... Man, I I don't know how the fuck the band thought that that would fly. Yeah, I really don't. It just and I you look at something like that and you can look at it from a couple of different angles, right? The one angle you look at is right, isn't money, right? Yeah, that the band are going out on tour, they're going to play shows, they go out as a four piece, the pie is split. Mm-hmm. Four ways rather than five. Yeah. Right? Um, and then the aesthetic way you look at it then is, you know, it just doesn't fucking look good. Yeah, right? you're going to have Ian walk forward? Yeah, the fans are not going to accept Judas Priest right. as a one guitar band. And 
then you then you think to yourself, right? Is there tapes? Is Richie going to be playing to a taped guitar to beef up the sound? Is there going to be a guy off stage going mm. to be playing at the same time? It just didn't fucking look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then Richie's coming off heart surgery. Yeah. Right. So you got that, and then all of a sudden you're putting all the fucking guitar. Mm-hmm. guitars on Richie and then the other way I looked at it was Ian Hill's not going to walk around no I was, gonna, I was just going right? to say he's not that gonna, means Richie's right. the so only Richie's the only guy moving. Rob hardly moves right. Rob comes out stands there yeah. puts his head down and, and sings Right, and he still sings well and all that but yeah. he's Rob is pushing 70 or is he 70 I don't remember he's right. up there yeah he's up there yeah. right so you have him doing a two hour show yeah yeah, Richie is the only one who's going to be running around. Scott Travers still a great drummer. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you had people, you know, you'd have the, the fans that say, oh, it's Judas Priest, they'll be able to overcome it. And I'm like, come on. But it's not Priest. It's, yeah. It, I've, I've let my feelings be known on the show before. Uh, it's one of my classic Richie quotes, Rob Halford's cover band. Yeah, <laughs> and that's exactly what I was going to say is, I've seen him with Glenn and KK. I've seen him with, with Glenn and Richie. Uh-huh. Right. You went to see him with Andy Sneap yep. and Richie. I decided and not Yeah. I decided not to go. Yeah. Because to me it's there's as many people in fight as there is in Judas Priest. It's sure. got Scott Travis and Rob Halford, yeah. right? And it, uh, granted you've got Ian. Yeah. But Ian's not the reason I'm going to see Judas Priest. He right. just stands there. Well and, remember too that that on that same bill was Saxon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I give you that. But, um, and then, of course, the band came out with a statement that said that it was a band decision and they were going out as a four-piece. And people were up in arms over that, saying, yeah. how, how the fuck can it be a band decision? Um, what role has Glenn got in all of this? Um, is he even going to be able to play? Mm-hmm. Is he... And then you probably have people who are thinking, maybe he's not as bad, you know, maybe his illness is under more control, that mm. they have a four-piece, he's going to be able to play more shows to yeah. be a, a two-guitar band, right? And of course, I that's I don't think that's going to happen either. But, you know, yeah. if, he show, if he plays certain shows, great. If he doesn't... Yeah. My, know, my thought when I saw it was, oh, well, there's an interesting idea by Jane. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, of course, Rob Halford came out. No, actually, Andy Sneap came out more or less the same time the band announced that they were going out as a four-piece, saying that he was disappointed that the band were doing it. No, blame him. Right? And, of course, the fans were saying it's not fair to Andy. Andy's stepped in, did a great job. He did, he did an awesome yeah. job. Um, now... You saw him with Richie, and I, I'm sure Richie plays more of the leads. Yep. Yeah, but Andy was the second guitar player on the stage. He did a great job. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm sure he did, but him coming out saying he's, he was disappointed, obviously people were hitting him up saying, how did he feel about it? Um, he seem, It seemed to me, and I'm reading between the lines, that he was kind of sh- surprised with the decision. Um, and then, of course, the band made a 180. 
And I think one of the reasons they did a 180 was uh, ticket sales. People were probably saying they weren't going to go see Judas Priest as a four-piece. Oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I wouldn't doubt and, it. Yeah, and I'm sure the band said, right, fuck, we have all these shows coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, take away the fact that they might be able to pull it off or not. Yeah. The fans just went, I don't want to see Judas Priest as a four-piece. Well, I think the other thing, too, and this was kind of not a cohesive thought on my part, but this is, you know, 50 heavy metal years, right? So you announce you're going to go out as a four-piece. And it was like, so and it could be on either side. This could be either side of that whole statement is, is KK going to be involved? Well, there was that too. So you, so you know, so do you say you're going out as a four piece and just stop that conversation, or is it you announce that and everybody goes, "Well, you could get KK." Well, there was a lot of people, or saying that they should ask KK, and you know, KK has been very vocal about Priest. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, he's rubbed people up the wrong way. Um, that he. He should stop bitching and moaning about it that they don't want him back. And, and then you got the other faction saying that you're going out as for 50 years, you know, fucking bury the hatchet. Mm-hmm. Just go out and do it. That's what we want. We want to see yeah. KK because KK is one of the yeah. original members. Yeah. Um, I mean, in reality, he, he was there before everybody but Ian. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. He was one of the original members. Um. And he wants to do it. Yeah. From from what I what what I can read. Yeah. Um and the thing is I love KK. He's be, he's honest. Like people might say, Oh, he's you know, he's burned his bridges with the band and he's screwed up the legacy of the band and I to me it's like he's been asked a question and he's answering it honestly. Yeah. Um that he can't understand sometimes why the fuck they haven't called him and asked him to come back. Now, again, we don't know sure. every, everything. Right, we don't. There's, yeah. there's what they tell you and what they don't tell you. Uh-huh. And you can kind of meet somewhere in the middle and guess. Yeah. Um, but then there was that. And then, <laughs> then Rob Halford came out and said it was his idea. Right. And then I'm thinking, hang on a second. He said that it was a fucking band decision and it was your idea. And then I'm thinking, Rob, why, why are you thinking that way and I think he said that the band was originally a four piece so for 50 years they wanted to revert to what they were in the beginning and I'm like that's the most fucking ludicrous thing I've I've heard in years uh-huh. um, you can have that idea but how the fuck the rest of them yeah so decided then, that, that yeah yeah so we, then I we'll guess you're going to ignore all the other stuff and you're going to basically play the stuff that was like on Rockarola because yeah. that's what they were 50 years ago, right? Yeah, but there was, was a two-guitar band on Rockerola. It is, yeah, but I mean, like, that, you know, a lot of that, if you listen to a lot of stuff on Rockerola, it doesn't have a lot of the, the twin harmonies and all yeah. that. You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's it's more of the stuff that was written with Al and, and kind of pushed along. They should bring you know? Al out. They should. Get Al Atkins out and play. Yeah. You know, get Simon Phillips, bring them all back. You know, more, not less. Get Dave Holland more. out of prison. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, get more members up. Yeah. Not less. Put more members on the stage, not less members on yeah. the stage. So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, to say it, you're going back to it. I mean, if you listen, if you see like all the, uh, 
the videos of of the old gray whistle test video stuff. Yeah. And so, okay, well, that four piece is not far off from that. And that really wasn't what was like, you know, breaking the sky open from heavy metal. So it's like, no, that's bullshit. Yeah. And then the other thing, and I'm sure this crossed a lot of people's minds, was the whole thing a publicity stunt to boost the band's profile. That mm. they said, right, there's going to be a lot of shows coming out now. Um, we're going out there 50 years. Let's throw something out that's kind of an April Fool's thing, but let's do it in January mm. and say that we're going to go out as a four-piece just to have people talk about us. And <laughs> part of me is thinking that they actually, that's what they did as yeah, well. It's possible. That there was an element of that. Yeah. That they knew damn well that it wouldn't fly. Uh-huh. But the fucking coverage they get would yeah. be well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you could be right. You, you could be very right. Yeah. You know, because you're thinking, okay, it's one of the dumbest decisions ever. And then in the back of your mind, you're thinking, Oh, that could be one of the fucking smartest things you've done recently is to <laughs> is to do that because the fucking fans are going to go mad. And then when you announce, oh, Andy is coming back, the people go, oh, thank God, I have to get a ticket to go see it uh, now because yeah. they were going out as a four-piece and I never know where I'd go and see it. And now, oh, I have to go now because yeah. this could be it. Yeah. Well, you could be right. You, you, it's, it's the most plausible explanation out there. But, it really is. The thing you find with Judas Priest, and I've only interviewed KK and he wasn't in the band, so I've never interviewed any of the rest of them. They're very well trained when they do interviews. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee, I'm not saying, I don't know this for a fact, but I bet you're probably told what not to ask. I'm sure. When you're talking to him. I'm sure. Um, because... I'd love to know, because I'm sure you'd nearly want to call him out on it mm-hmm. and say, what the fuck are you yeah. doing? And they might be saying, you can't talk about that, or you're not allowed to bring that up, and you got to talk about the tour. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm sure this or, is one or of they those. Have, they have a, it doesn't matter what question you ask them, yeah. this is the answer I'm getting, and that's all you're getting. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that this is definitely one of those ones that, yeah, you get set up, you get the call. There's there's a PR monitor the whole time. I've never asked to you know? interview Judas Priest, and I know who the PR person is too. Uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, and I've done other acts for him, all right. Yes, and and getting on that docket is jumping through fruitless hoops. Yeah, and I, I, <laughs> and, I, I, and I know people who've been burned. Yes. doing it. Yeah, yes. it's a, a carrot on a stick in front of a horse. Yeah, so it's not. Yeah, so we've just never bothered. No, we. Yeah, ju- yeah exactly. We yeah. just never bothered. Yeah, but uh, but people, we don't have to use a carrot on a stick. We do have on this week. Yeah, and that's that's Jimmy Bell, and mm-hmm. you've got. In seconds from now, you're going to hear a good, almost hour long, deep dive with Jimmy on autograph. Tough shoes to fill with with Steve Lynch. He does it admirably, um, and everything else he's up to. House of Lords. House of Lords and other things he's got going on and then digging back into uh into some history as well. So uh so good stuff and uh, what do you say? We roll that. hmm Jimmy. Richie, your number came through as just a wireless caller. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sorry about that. I'm- so where are you? You at home? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually, uh, um, I have, um, uh, I, you know, I have my own studio now here. You know, for years, I've, um, you know, I, I did all my recording over at, uh, at my drummer's house, BJ, uh, you know, when I, when, you know, where for all the House of Lords stuff. So I never needed my own recording studio for, you know, ever. You know, I just, he lived seven minutes from me. I just went to his house and, you know, that was it. But, you know, since he's been with Dokken and, uh, you know, uh, and then me with Autograph and all these other projects that I have on my plate, you know, I, I finally had to, you know, felt the need that I had to get something. And, I you know, I was always very nervous about it because of the learning curve. But I really adapted to it extremely, you know, fast. Okay. So that's what I, I'm just sitting in front of the, in front of the screen right now. Um, and I haven't started anything. A buddy of mine is coming over to uh, uh, take some more stems and, uh, uh, you know, turn them into wave files for me because I haven't got all that stuff yet. But um, uh, and send them off to uh, the guys in autograph uh, so we could get this record, you know, uh, completed. We're doing extremely well with it. Yeah, let's get into that first, Jimmy, because i got a lot of stuff I want to cover with you. Um, yeah, no problem. I think I spoke to you probably about a year ago, and you were writing at the time you were telling me, but you didn't know whether it was going to be autograph stuff or not. Um, who's been the guy in the band that's been pushing to get new material? Has it, has it been all of you, or has it, has it been you? Oh, oh, no, no, it's all of us, definitely. You know, um, autograph is it, it's just... Uh, it's an unbelievable band. Uh, the guys are just, you know, great. Uh, we have a new sound, you know, it's, it's, um, we, especially when they came out, uh, again, before I was even in the band, they, they all decided they wanted to, you know, uh, have the guitars tuned a little lower. They wanted, you know, they didn't want to have the keyboards. They wanted to, uh, you know, make the sound, uh, more modern and more you know different you know you it's it's good to be different instead of just reliving everything from the past you know so that was you know that's what they did and they had uh they came out with a album called get off your ass and it it even it charted uh you know and in, into the charts and everything uh so it was uh you know well received and um you know ever since you know, Steve left the band, Steve Lynch, and uh, and they got me into the band. Well, I've always written music. I, you know, I I wrote you know most of the uh, you know just music, not lyrics uh, for House of Lords, all the House of Lords albums. So that that's what I do. I write. <laughs> so along with going out and playing all these incredible shows that that I have the opportunity to do with autographs. Um, you know, we've always said, you know what, we're going to, we're going to keep moving forward and, and write uh, a whole new record and everything. So that's what we did. You know, we wanted the right time. We didn't want to rush anything. And, um, it just so happened, uh, that I was involved with another project for frontier records. And I, I just happened to throw it out there. <laughs> you know, I just said, Hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm looking, uh, you know, I'm writing a bunch of material for autograph as well. And they, uh, they were very interested. They wanted to hear what more about it. And, and that's how all this has come about, you mm. know? Um, 
Now, with House of Lords, when you joined in the World Upside Down record, that was a very dark record, a lot of heavy riffs. Is is that what we can expect from the autograph record as well, or do you think well, that you're going to you can be kind of limited in 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 the way they sounded in the past? Well, no, um, no. Wait, I'm I write all kinds of different things, and I'll tell you, I write for the singer. Like you know, for example, with House of Lords, we wrote. And no matter what I gave, uh, what what kind of riffs I gave James to um, use, um, he always managed to, you know, by the time he added keyboards on him and, and layered all the vocal harmonies and everything, it, it became a House of Lords song, even though it was more geared at the guitar sound, because that's what they wanted, you know. Um, you know, let's face it, with that band... Uh, Greg Jafria was a, a major part of that, you know, and seeing Greg Jafria wasn't a uh, part of that. We couldn't lose the keys entirely, but it wasn't about, uh, we weren't going to have the keys be the, the prominent thing, uh, in that band at that time. So, um, I always write toward, you know, geared towards what the singer is, what, what he's, you know, sounds like to me. So that's what I've been doing with Simon from autograph he's he's a great writer himself so you know him and i are you know uh just putting together all this different material and then uh mark and randy uh come in and say you know let's let's try this and yeah it's a it's a definite band effort going on here you know but i've always you know my my routine is this (laughs) this is my thing i write a complete song whether it ends up staying that way uh, like I said, not lyrics, but I write a complete song and send it. And then whether it stays the way that I wrote it and or if they move things around or something, then that, that's uh, what happens. But at least I give them a good foundation to start with. Mm. So, Jimmy, are you pretty open then, then to other people changing your stuff? Or Oh, yeah. You are, oh, yeah, because, yeah. you know, you talk to some musicians and they'll kind of put their foot down that this is the way I wrote it and this is the way I want it to be played? Oh, no, not me. Not okay. <laughs> at all. No, I, I love suggestions from other... I mean, unless it's something so absurd, you know, then I'll say, well, you know, honestly, that's that really can't happen. Uh, you know, we've, we've actually had a couple... Of, I'll tell you what was funny. Uh, one song in particular, I remember when we did the House of Lords' Big Money, that, that particular song, it ended up being the title of the record. Um, I had the song all the way done and I had sent it and uh, they were just looking for, uh, James was just looking for one other thing to put into the song. So uh, came up with this little keyboard passage, you know, right after he said, you know, says big money, then it went down, 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 down. He added this one little thing. And, um, you know, I had to learn it and re-record it, but it ended up sounding very cool. So as uh, answer to your question, I'm, I'm open for what anybody has to say at mm. all. Now, I've spoken to you a few times over the years, Jimmy, and I know that one of the frustrations you had with House of Lords was there was no, no real live shows with them. Um, I'm assuming that, that's one of the things you're really enjoying playing with autograph that, you know, you can get out now and you can have a run of live shows. 
Oh my God, yes. And and uh, what's wonderful is we're with an amazing agency. We're with Sullivan Big, Big Time Entertainment. He has an incredible um, roster of artists on his, you know, uh, with him. And we go out and, you know, we play all these festivals. Sometimes they team us up with, you know, we get teamed up with a, a couple of his bands. Other times we're on festivals with uh, other other acts that he doesn't handle. But it's it's all, you know, just usually festivals or, or uh, you know, a three-band thing, you know, something like that. It's great. And what I really love is... Um, it's usually a fly, a fly in, fly out thing, you know. So that that was the thing when I was with uh, uh, when I'm when I was touring with House of Lords. Uh, you know, we'd we'd only play in Europe, so we would go and you know we'd have to be over there for you know a few weeks or a month or whatever. Um, which I don't mind, uh, but you know you have to stay. Uh, sometimes you have to take shows in between that aren't that great because you're over in Europe, you know, you have to survive. <laughs> yeah. So you fill in, in the gaps in between the, the good shows. But, um, with autograph, it's, you know, my plane tickets are bought. Uh, you know, I, we always fly in the day ahead of time, play the show. And I'm, I'm, I fly out the next time, you know, unless we have a double thing, you know, like if uh, we have a Friday, Saturday or a Saturday, Sunday, I'll, I'll have to fly in a day ahead of time. And, you know, we play show and then it's, uh, um, you know, you're always crossing your fingers that nothing happens, especially with the way of the world now with flights and everything that you make it to your next show, you know, so. Focus! How big an autograph fan were you before you joined the band? Oh, I loved them. I, I, uh, I, you know, I always admired uh, Steve uh, Lynch very much. Um, you know, being a guitar player, and I always—I mean, you know, like they were—they came in very early in the '80s, so it was one of those bands that that lasted for a while, but you know, not extremely long, but being a guitar player, uh, you can't help but to have, you know, really, uh, enjoyed the music, uh, especially what, what, uh, Steve was putting down back then. And the best thing about autograph is that when I joined, they gave me total freedom to do whatever I wanted on any of the solos with the exception of turn up the radio. And that's a solo that you absolutely could not change regardless, you know, anyway, because it is a iconic guitar solo. That would be like, um, you know, I, I, I might have told you in that inter in one of my past interviews when uh, I was auditioning with Ozzy that some kid from Sweden that was before me uh, was doing Flying High again, and he was trying to sweep arpeggios through the tapping part that Randy Rhodes did. And, oh, my God, uh, uh, Ozzy just went berserk. It was uh, unbelievable. Uh, not that the kids saw it, but um, I saw it because I was sitting out, you know, out front. But so, you know, you don't change something that's classic, you know, and 
very well recognised. Yeah. Um, how many of the guys in the classic line of a autograph have you met? Other, obviously, you know Randy well. Yeah. Oh well, Randy. Yeah, he's he's in it. Steve, I've known forever. Other than that, you know, uh, obviously, uh, two of the, the other two members passed away, uh, and uh, Steve Plunkett, I've never met because he's had no he had no desire to. Uh, I guess when they were putting the band back together, he just had no desire to do it. You know, he does other things. Mm. So, Jimmy, I also want to ask you about, you know, you're doing this these Beyond Purple shows. Yeah. And one one of the things that I wanted to ask you about that in particular, you know, you're doing, you do stuff from Deep Purple and you do stuff from Rainbow. Um, as a guitar player now, and, and I don't play... Is there a discernible difference to the way Richie played in Deep Purple compared to Rainbow? <laughs> well, you know, Richie was one of my uh, idols growing up. And the thing that I love about Richie, and, and honestly, some people don't like this, but the thing that I loved about Richie is that he never plays the same twice. Even when, even on a solo like Highway Star, which is an incredibly written solo. Like if you listen to the one off of Machine Head, it's a well thought out, you know, guitar solo. And the fact that he, sometimes if he doesn't feel like playing it, he won't play it. He'll just play whatever the heck he wants, you know. And that's that's the way Richie is. Um, I found a lot of similarities from what he was doing in uh, uh, in Deep Purple when he went into Rainbow, but he went into so many different phases of Rainbow, which is something that I, I'm really intrigued with because with Rainbow, you know, it started off with 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 Ronnie singing, so they were more uh, you know uh, a lot of uh, Arabian sounding song, you know, a little heavier the. And, and then when they got Graham Bonnet, uh, they started, you know, Richie was looking to do something a little different uh, there. And that's when he wrote, you know, Since You've Been Gone. But it, it, then again, he still has some of the classic Richie, um, uh, um, all, like a song like All Night Long. Uh, that was still a very classic Richie Blackmore uh, riff and everything. But... Honestly, you know, some of my favorite songs in Rainbow are the ones he did with Joe Lynn Turner. I don't, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of vocals and and uh, I, I'm not an instrumental guy. I might have mentioned that in our past interviews, but uh, I, you know, people have asked me many times if I ever wanted to do an instrumental album or something like that. I have no desire to do it. I'm I'm. I'm an ACDC fan or, uh, you know, it's all about the song for me. It's not about the guitar solo. Mm. That's why guitar solos are short and boom, back to the song. And that's how I am. Mm. So what's the hardest Blackmore solo to play for you? <laughs> well, uh, once again, I don't play every solo note for note. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's the freedom. And, and the thing with uh, Beyond Purple is that what what the band is doing is we're covering the Deep Purple family tree. In other words, there's a lot of bands that branched off of Deep Purple. Now, if I wanted to go really crazy with it, uh, you know, I could go into, you know, I could take it when, uh, you know, when Ronnie left Rainbow 
and he went solo and Graham Bonnet did Alcatraz or I can go as far as when Ian Gillen joined Black Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? So, so many avenues that I could take or Ian Gillen's solo records. But, you know, I kept it to, um, I kept it to Deep Purple, Rainbow and White Snake. And I don't go out, I, I don't do any of the, you know, the, the crazy obscure songs. I, I wanted to keep it where whatever we played, people would know. So, um, you know, for the, the guitar players out there, uh, they might not think it's the coolest thing in the world, but I, I got to tell you, I love playing the White Snake songs. You know, I love John Sykes. He's just incredible. Um, and I like uh, the Rainbows. And uh, if I if I had to tell you one of my, one of the... Uh, solos that i did learn that's a little bit tricky sometimes and that that would be uh, the solo for knocking at your back door from um off the uh, perfect strangers record okay. i really yeah i really like that solo okay. love it okay so jimmy what's um what's the status with house of lords anything happening there oh yeah uh doing another record with them right now okay yep Yep, I have another record going. I have a record going with House of Lords. I have uh, the new uh, a record with Autograph, and I have uh, another project that I can't say too much about. Uh, that's another Frontiers project. You know how they put together. You know, Frontiers does a lot of these where they they take artists and put them together with other artists, and they make a record. They're like one-off records. You know, uh, Red Beach has done them. Uh, Doug Aldridge. You know, many. Many uh, other artists have are on these. Well, I'm in the process of doing that. So, since I've gotten my my home studio here at the end of November, it was literally at the end of November when I've got it. I've already written over seventy songs that are recorded in this <laughs> in this thing here. So, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's just I'm, that's what I I've always done all of my life. So, Jimmy, when when you write a song, and you said you write the whole song, like, and you send something to James, like, are you sending, like, a five-minute song to James, including the guitar solo with no lyrics? Yes. Ah. Yeah, I'm uh, I always try to, uh, I'm always very aware, uh, aware of um, the clock, the counter. And uh, actually, my, my uh, other, my, uh, the old drummer BJ had, had kind of said, had kind of taught me this when we were writing songs. Like sometimes I'd write something and the chorus wouldn't come in for, it, it would come in a little later. And he says, no, he says, you want to, he says, you want to try to bring the chorus in right about here all the time, which is so, um, and I find that to be very effective on a lot of things. So I, I, uh, I always try to have, you know, an intro, uh, and then I go to a verse, uh, some sort of bridge, and then uh, the chorus has to hit all before, uh, you know, uh, around a minute and 15 seconds to a minute and 30 seconds. You want to you want to hear what the chorus is going to be by then, you, you know, because uh, people are ready <laughs> at okay. that point. OK, <laughs> yeah, it, it always fascinates me with that, because especially with House of Lords and you, because I've spoken to you a couple of times about this and. You're sending the song down to James, but you're not hearing the finished song until it's done. Exactly. And yep. that, on some level, that kind of has to be frustrating. Like you're dying to hear what he does with it, but you have to wait a while. And, you know, 
once you send a song to him, is there a lot of back and forth there with that, or does he take well, what he, you have and he and he just goes with it? Well, he usually takes what I have and goes with it, unless um, unless he extends a part. Like you know, like you know, everything's done in computers now, so it's not a it's not difficult to do. So he might want to extend a section, so he'll cut it. Like a matter of fact, he contacted me um, uh, yesterday. And something that I had already sent him, he wants, uh, I guess he extended a part. He wants me to add another guitar solo at the end. Or or maybe he extended the guitar solo section and he wants me to add more to it. Uh, so that's usually what it is. But when he gets when he gets a rough vocal done, or uh, but James doesn't really do rough vocals. When he does vocals, he, he does them pretty much completed so he doesn't have to go back and redo them so when he sings he's singing you know he's having all the har uh, all the harmonies done and and everything you know uh completed so he'll send me uh, a rough uh most of the time uh before it uh actually goes to get mastered uh the only record that we didn't have much uh that i didn't hear much from him on was uh the last record new world new eyes I had sent him uh, uh, a lot of the material and had only heard, you know, a handful of the songs as opposed to every single one, uh, which which didn't bother me. I was, I was you know, fine with it. Mm. Is it more organic the way you're doing it with Autograph than House of Lords? Is there more collaboration between the four E? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I speak to the guys every day, every single day. Matter of fact, they call me. Uh, from the studio, um, and, and, and let me know what's going on. I have a, I, I have to say, um, I have an extremely good working relationship with these guys and I'm, I'm very honored to be a part of the band. I, I really am. They're wonderful, wonderful people, uh, great musicians. And I really dig working with Simon a lot. I like his style. I like his vocals. He's a great guitar player. I, you know, I know he only plays uh, uh, rhythm in uh, in autograph, but man, the guy could play. And, I, and a lot of people don't quite know that he plays acoustic stuff way better than I do. That's for sure. Wow. <laughs> Finger style stuff and everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nice. So, Jimmy, I want I want to finish up by asking questions about this because I don't think I've ever really gone into this with you. Um, and I'm not going to t spend a lot of time talking about the Aussie audition because I've done oh, that. But I'm going to go. Care. I'm going to go back before then. Um, okay. What made you move out west? I never moved. You just went out for auditions. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't even have to do that. They. Uh, I was endorsed with Kramer Guitars back in the eighty. They eighties. They were. Um, they were the biggest guitar company there was it actually happened when i was out on tour with joan jett you know we had done uh we we had an opera i was with joan jett's management uh, a band i was with so we ended up doing a tour with joan jett and then we got you know the part in the michael j fox movie uh um michael j fox and joan jett uh light of day so i'm in that movie and that that all led to the whole kramer endorsement thing so they were representing me, even though I didn't have a record deal back then. So when uh, Jakey Lee left, um, 
they had sent my my tape out uh, to Sharon, and they already had started. They had already kind of picked Zach, and they already started working with him. But Sharon saw my video, and um, and really liked it. So that's they flew me out instantly um, to California, and I played with uh, uh, you know Phil and Randy uh, Castillo. Um, first and Sharon actually was there, um, when I did my audition. So, uh, she didn't do that with all the other guitar players. It was just, uh, Randy and Phil that did, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, I had to audition all those people, but because of the fact, uh, Sharon saw my videotape and really liked it, she wanted to see if she had just wasted an airline ticket, <laughs> you know, I'm flying. So uh, uh, I played. They, it went great. She loved it. And the next day, I was uh, on stage with Ozzy in uh, a whole different rehearsal room. But Jimmy, and, uh, there, there yeah. must have been pressure before then to move out there. There must have been people telling you, "Look, you're 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 doing okay here, but you really have to go to LA or somewhere like that to to get a good." paid gig yeah well you know what uh i did hear that uh a lot of my my a lot of my life and you know um i had many friends from around here that were extremely talented that that did take the leap but not a lot had happened not saying that would have been my case but um you know honestly uh i just never been one of those guys that packs up and leaves and does things like that. If I'm going someplace, I got to know that I'm doing so, that. There's a reason I'm going to do something. I don't go anywhere on a whim. Uh, you know, just say, oh, "I'll take this chance," and you know, I'll move myself out to here. Uh, you know, I like to know that there's a, something solid, something concrete that I'm going to do. I mean, I've done many moves, trust me, but it was all set up with things where I've had uh, places to live right away. Uh, uh, transportation, the whole works. And so it wasn't like me just saying, you know, I think I'm just going to go to LA and, you know, I'll sleep in my car till I find a job and, you know, I'll take my chance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's just not me. Mm. Like, have you ever talked about that with other guitarists up here? Um, like Gary Holy, maybe, or like, cause one of the guys I'm, I'm pretty friendly with is Tommy Bolin from New York. Um, oh Yeah. I spoke to him just before Christmas and I asked him a couple of the same questions I'm asking you. And of course he did take the plunge and move out there. Right. Yeah. So yep. like, have you spoken to Gary about it or any of the other guitarists on the I, East I, coast? I, I have, uh, I haven't talked to Gary about that in particular. Um, I am friends with Gary, uh, who I admire very much as a guitarist as well. But, um, we never really talk about the past so much because, like, I mean, if you see a lot of Gary's posts, he's a very he's a very family orientated guy himself. Uh, you know, he, he always has wonderful pictures of him and his mom together. You know, mm -hmm. he's he, you know, and I find that I'm very um, I find that very honorable. You know, I think he's he's great that he does that because uh, you know I come from an oil, I'm an only child myself um 
I look after my mom. She's 97. You know, I'm married, so I go back and forth between two houses, and you know, it's it's uh, it's a great situation. I'm in a very good place right now, uh, better than I've been for a long time. You know, Monday I had turned uh, 64. Um, if anybody had ever asked me when, when I was in my 20s if I'd still be flying out, rocking on stage, and recording records and everything at 64, I don't know what my answer would have been. But, um, you know, I've always loved playing guitar more than anything in the world. So uh, my answer probably would have been yes. Mm. And Jimmy, after the Aussie audition, and of course Zach got the job, you must have had other bands after you. Can you remember any of them? Well, I don't know if you know, but I got a phone call right after that with with Geezer Butler. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, but... Were there, yeah. other, were there other bands other than Geezer that was looking for you? Um, well, you know, I did have a call. My, my tape circulated a, a lot out there, apparently. Now, I do remember, uh, I know Billy wouldn't remember this, but I did get a call from Billy Sheehan uh, when they were putting Mr. Big together. Now, they definitely already had Paul Gilbert in mind who they wanted he even told me right up front he goes we we're putting i have this project that's being put together we have this guitar player that we desperately want but if we can't get him would you be interested in auditioning and of course i said yes but and then of course later on i had found out that you know it was paul gilbert but you know uh coming back you know, coming back home and, you know, not getting the Aussie thing. Well, of course it was very depressing and, you know, that could have changed my life, but I look at everything as, um, you know, reasons. There's a reason. Uh, there's a definite reason I didn't get that, that gig. And, um, could have been my, my, uh, lifestyle back then, you know, it was the eighties and stuff. So, you know, uh, it could have been a number of things. So, um, but, but I did, uh, when I got the call from Geezer, I thought that was extremely cool. I mean, uh, I've always admired Black Sabbath. And, of course, I always thought Geezer Butler was one of the most thunderous bass players there was in the world. So uh, I used to watch videos of Black Sabbath and to see his hands, the way it moved on the bass, it was is a monster. So that was really huge for me to... Uh, to go work with him. Um, Jimmy, I'm assuming that that came about because Ozzy and Sharon recommended you to Geezer because Geezer would have toured the No Rest for the Wicked album with Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, uh, that, all came, uh, that all came about right after um, Sharon. Uh, Sharon must definitely liked, liked me. Uh, well, liked my playing enough that she handed my my uh, my tape around and she gave it to Geezer because he was looking to do uh, another project. Now, the project Geezer was looking to do wasn't uh, heavy like Black Sabbath. He was, it was going to be heavy, but uh, more on the commercial side. So um, we actually have a version of the song Computer God that's way different than the computer god that's on the dehumanizer record so uh you know so there's there's uh you know we we had a lot of different writing things that we were messing with but then one day 
you know, he comes to me while we're rehearsing in London or near Brighton, I believe it was. And he says, uh, do you got anything that's similar to a Black Sabbath song? And I, I just said, well, actually, I do. Uh, I've been working on this track right here. I, I said, I have a title for it, too. I says, I, I came up with this title. I call it Master of Insanity. Um, I said, I don't have any lyrics, obviously, but I said, I just, you know, using that as a working title. So uh, I played him a song. He loved it. We recorded it. Uh, he wrote lyrics for it. And um, long story short, you know, we, we did all this stuff. We auditioned for record companies. We got signed. I get a phone call from Gloria Butler, Geezer's wife. The guy that signed us got caught doing something wrong, and he got fired. All his projects got dropped. Typical record company stuff. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I was back home again. But then, you know, later on, you know, uh, around 1992 or something like that, I get a phone call from Gloria Butler. She says, Jimmy, I have incredible news. Um, uh, Black Sabbath is getting back together, as you know, with Ronnie James Dio. And um, we're going to use your song, Master of Insanity. And I was just thrilled. I was just, you know, I said, oh, my God, this is absolutely incredible. She goes, well, there's one hitch. <laughs> of course there is, you know. But we can't, you can't have songwriting credit uh, because Tony Iommi will never let a song from another guitar player on a Black Sabbath album. So we have to say Geezer wrote it. So... Now, keep in mind, I wrote the entire song. I mean, and they recorded the song almost to the T, to the way that I wrote it. So, the only thing they changed up a little bit was the solo section. Uh, so, but as the song sits on Dehumanizer, that's the, almost identical to my demo that I have. And my demo is actually on uh, YouTube as well. You could actually hear the original version of it. Uh, so um, that was a little tough. So I had to, you know, I had to go through my entire, you know, oh, and they said that they, and it was said that, um, you know, your name will be in Geezer's special thanks, which it did. And she said, at the end of the tour, we will pay you for the song. Well, you know, nothing ever happened. Uh, of course that never happened, but, uh, I wasn't counting on that anyway, but, uh, you know, so I went through my, I've, I've gone through my life, you know, telling people and it's been in books on how I wrote the song master of insanity and everything. But then finally, uh, Ronnie Dio had a book out. There was a book that somebody did on Ronnie Dio and a lot of interviews and Ronnie said it in a book he says he says oh the one song i didn't write lyrics for that i absolutely love is a song called master of insanity which is which was written by jimmy bell a guitarist named jimmy bell and geezer butler and i absolutely love the song so for ronnie to have done that just meant so much to me um it it, it really really did jimmy you have to wonder at what stage of that lineup of Sabbath did they realize? Like I'm talking about, like Tony would know, but maybe Vinny and Ronnie. When would they get an inkling that, you know, 
did it and actually write that song. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, when when does that happen? It's like, does, does like, Geezer show them the song and then say, right, this is a song I wrote, or is yeah. there something up front in the very beginning and says, look, Jimmy Bell wrote this, do you want to give a crack at it? Because... I I, no. I I don't know I I don't I don't know Ronnie and I never met him but I've read a lot of interviews with him and he's always wrote the songs and I'm just wondering did he even know it was someone else's song that the band didn't write it at the time I I don't think any of them knew until later on because I actually looked up the writing on it uh, I went to because I'm an ASCAP member you know. Uh, and I looked up the writing, and they I believe they had registered it in ASCAP, and it was they had all their names on it, except mine. So they ended up, you know, because apparently they share credits on everything. So, um, you know, it's, it's just the business. That's all it is. You know, I, I didn't do things correctly, so I'm partial to blame on that. I should have taken that song as soon as I got home, and and copy wrote it. Um, I did mail it to myself. However, I did. Uh, I did a poor man's copyright. When I got home, I had a cassette of the song. I still have it sealed in an envelope. I had, um, you know, put it in the mail. I don't know if you re- if you knew about that. That's what they used to do back then. Hmm. Uh, early days, you you drop a cassette in, uh, you mail it to yourself, and uh, you don't open it. As well, they go by the, uh, you know, the postal registration. Yeah. yeah. But, but, um, um, you know, what am I going to do? What was I going to do? Uh, you know, try to fight Black Sabbath in a court of law over one song. It just wasn't worth it. Um, I'm, I'm very grateful to have a song that I wrote that appeared on a Black Sabbath record and that Ronnie James Dio sang on. Ronnie, that that meant the world to me right there. Here's a question for you, Jimmy. Have you yourself ever played that song live in any of the bands you've been in? Uh, No, Uh, I haven't. But um, we were considering it uh, when we were doing this Beyond Purple thing, actually. We we had tossed it around a little bit uh, because we were, you know, venturing off into different things. But then... um, uh, it just never came about. But uh, let's just say that's never going to be out of the loop, out of the question. <laughs> okay. I just want to ask you, before I finish up, a little bit about Geezer. Um, when you met him, was there one thing that surprised you about him? Well, I'll tell you what was really funny. Geezer was just a regular guy. You know, here I am talking to Geezer on the phone, and um, then he... You know, he flies me before I went to England. He has a home in St. Louis. I don't know if he still does, but he had a home in St. Louis. I think uh, uh, Gloria's family might have been from there. So um, he flies me to St. Louis, and um, I get off the plane, and he's standing there. I, you know, I don't know why I was expecting like a, a driver. Or something, you know, like, because I had that with Ozzy. You know, Ozzy's driver picked me up. But, um, you know, it was Geezer. You know, just a real down-to-earth guy. And the first thing he said to me when I got off the plane, you want to go get a pint? You know, you want, you want to have a beer? So we went, 
we didn't even leave the airport. We just sat down and had a beer at the airport and talked a bunch. And then we went to his house. Uh, beautiful home, gold records, platinum records all over the place. <laughs> you know, so we, we messed around with a few things. And then they uh, flew me to England. My first flight overseas. Jimmy, there must have been uh, questions you wanted to ask him about his career and about Sabbath. Was there any that springs to mind that, wow, I, I really want to ask these or this? Um, I, I, there was a lot of stuff I did want to ask him, um, especially because I, you know, I, I watched, uh, you know, them doing the California Jam and and all these other, you know, things. Plus, I had seen Black Sabbath myself. Um, but Geezer did ask me a question, and um, and he said, "Were you um, a big Black Sabbath fan?" And even though I was, I was more of a Deep Purple fan. I was a Richie Blackmore fan. I loved Richie, and so I didn't want to lie to him. So I said, "Oh yeah, I love Black Sabbath." But I said, "But honestly." Uh, you know, because he asked me what I thought of Tony, and I, I said, oh, I, I think Tony's incredible. I said, but I I'm, I was always a, a Richie Blackmore fan. Uh, you know, I that was the guitar player I went after more. So, you know, that was pretty, um, that was pretty wild that I actually said that to him, but I wasn't going to lie, you know, just because uh, I didn't want to give an answer that I thought he might want to hear, you know. Mm. So tell me about playing with him. You're in oh. the room, you're in the room with him, and he's playing bass. You had to be looking over to oh see what God. he was doing at, all the time. I, I, I would stand right in front of him. I, I would. I went to this when we were rehearsing. We'd be right in this massive room, and uh, we were. I think the studio was called Tapco Studios, it, and it, I could be wrong, but it was in London, and. Um, I, I got Paul McCartney had just got done rehearsing there. Uh, I was in the kitchen. All of a sudden, Johnny Rotten comes walking through the kitchen. <laughs> I'm going like, <laughs> I mean, talk about a scary dude, man. I, I didn't expect to see him, but uh, um, it, this was a big rehearsal room in London. Uh, anyways, uh, uh, I would just be amazed to watch his hands, his uh, the way that he's... His attack on the bass is, uh, I use the word thunderous, but that's really the only way I could describe it. It's thunderous. He's, he's, uh, very aggressive. And, uh, have you ever watched videos of him play? I mean, some, of the, like some of the close-ups, his hands are, his hand on the bass is, is moving like crazy. Yeah. He's not, he's not one of these bass players that just, you know, strums it and goes dum 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 like he's he's up and down the frets yeah no he's and and his picking where he's doing the bass he's uh plucking the bass you know he doesn't anchor his his thumb like uh um and, and just kind of pluck the strings back and forth this guy's like hammering them like you get very aggressive uh, attack on the bass and that's uh that that is a lot of Black Sabbath sound. I I, I know a lot of people think it's um, uh, it's all Tony, but it's it's collectively that whole band. The way that Bill Ward attacked the drums, the way the geezer play. I mean, there's there's all those things together 
were the elements of what made Black Sabbath the band that they were. You know, it's just incredible. But yeah, to watch him play right in front of me, that was that was worth my trip to London alone. <laughs> how, how long did you spend with Geezer? Oh, I was, uh, let's see, I was over in London for, a, I forgot, a few weeks. I flew home. They flew me back. Uh, you know, a few times I went back and forth to England at that point. Um, where I wrote Master of Insanity was uh, at a rehearsal place somewhere near Brighton. I remember we were outside of Brighton, and it was uh, it was an old Air Force base uh, over there that they converted into rehearsal studios. In other words, there were studios. You stayed there. You ate there. Uh, you know, laundry, full fac- facilities. You had. Uh, cooking done for you daily. Um, there was a pub like two seconds down the road. Uh, you know that that type of thing. It was very cool, very very cool. Mm. Did um, the geezer talk much about Sabbath? Or, or, yeah. or, or he talked a lot about Ozzy and Tony and Bill. Yeah, he talked a lot about some things. I remember. Um, I remember we were sitting in a hotel room someplace. Him and I. Um, and he was looking at, um, something about headless cross had come out, uh, with Tony Martin. Yeah. And I, I think he, now I don't remember exactly what geezer said, but I think he had something to do with a couple of the songs that were on that record. Um, or that they had started working on together at that point. Uh, so um, he, he had commented something about that to me. Um, but, you know, he always kept track of what the band, those guys were doing, as I'm sure they did with him. You know, when your brother's like that, you grow up together and you've been playing together all those years. You're, you, you know, you're always curious what the other guy's doing. Don't think that for a second that, uh, Ian Gillen or, or David Coverdale or anybody else didn't think about what Richie Blackmore was doing when he left the band. They, I'm sure they were all looking on like everybody else does. Your old band members are always curious what uh, what's going on with the with the band, if it's still out there. Okay. Jimmy, what's your... Did, did you play... Did you jam any Sabbath songs with Geezer? Uh, a few. What's your uh, Um... Well, uh, basically, um, I know he said, what do you, what do you know from, um, Sabbath? And it just so happened that I was more familiar with, uh, the Dio songs, uh, from heaven and hell and stuff. So I, you know, played children of the sea for him. And, uh, I think he got a kick out of that, that I was, I went in that direction because it's not like I'm a, that I was a young kid. I grew up with, obviously with, uh, you know, from the very first Black Sabbath record to uh, to Paranoid to, uh, you know, all of them. But I happened to choose uh, the Dio stuff. So I, I think he was kind of intrigued with that. I'm often curious when these things happen. And I'll tell you where I'm going to go with this. Um, I, I don't know whether you're familiar with the band Black Star Riders that Scott Gorham was in from Tin Lizzy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're he, great. He had Damon Johnson in the band and Jimmy DeGrasso and Ricky Warwick. And I, I've interviewed all of those guys. And I asked them all the same question. I said, 
what song did you, Tin Lizzy song did you want to play, you know, with Scott? And they'd all start naming all these songs, but the one thing that they kept coming back from Scott was, oh, I, I can't remember how that goes. Did, did you have that with Geezer at all, where you'd mention a Savage song and he'd, have, he'd say to himself, uh, how does that go again? It's been years since I played it. Uh, well, uh, no, I didn't. Uh, we, we, we honestly only did, uh, um, I can't remember what the other one was. I, I remember children to see, cause I had to start it with the, you know, the quiet part. Um, but, um, uh, no, he, he was very in tune of every single Sabbath song that, that he did. You know, he was, you know, he was a major part of that. So, you know, those are things you don't forget. You know, I, I remember my songs from my early joint forces days back in the early 80s you know because uh, i was uh, you know that was all original music even back then so if someone said hey jimmy can you play uh you know the riff for shine love or uh, pretty lady or something like that you know i know it instantly it's just one of those things you know unless your catalog gets so insane that uh you know honestly i've been it's funny you say that uh, right now, because I'm in the process of writing so many songs right now for all these projects that I've written so many things now for autograph uh, that when I go back and play something, I go, oh, you know, I'm questioning what I played. You know, <laughs> you know it's kind of like I'm going like, uh, what what was that? You know, what what is this? You know, because I've already, you know. Since we went uh, started the engine rolling for this record, you know, I've I've must have written them like forty songs, uh, you know, forty different ideas for them to pick things through. Now, you know, they had already had a bunch, but even though we pretty much have the ones that we were uh, doing for the record, um, you know, uh, for a few weeks now, I, I still send them a song daily. I'm I'm still writing for them, you know, because I want to build a catalog. So that will be uh, that much further ahead for the next record. Uh, Jimmy, I just want to finish up on this. So it looks like you might have three records out in 2022. So what order do you think they're going to come out? Well, um, hmm, that's a good question. I know the House of Lords record has to be turned in pretty soon. Uh, the autograph record, uh, uh, we told them that we would turn it in you know everything we need to do by the end of april uh i'm not sure after that how long it takes the process for that to come out you know they all the record companies have their certain times they like to release records they you know you know strategically do it uh when they think it's right to do it with the market so uh i don't have a definite date i do i do know that i started the house of lords record first uh so Maybe that one will come out first. The The other uh, project I'm doing for Frontiers will definitely be the later. Okay. Uh, will be after Autograph. So, so who, who's on the House of Lords record? Is BJ on it and Chris again? Uh, unfortunately, uh, no. BJ had to um, step back uh, because of his, uh, you know, with everything he's got going on with Doc and I don't know exactly. You know, I've just been sending sending tracks. I think uh, uh, we used um, on a, on our one of our last live shows, and even in the video, one of our videos, we have this uh, incredible drummer Patrick Johansson, who played with Ingve for a while. Uh, actually, played with Ingve for quite a while, fourteen years or something, something ridiculous like that. And he 
he's down in Florida where James is. So uh, he might be doing it. Okay. Uh, uh, so I'm waiting to hear on that. I don't get involved in that stuff too much. I basically just send James these things. Uh, if he, you know, it's up to him if he wants to even build drums with a, you know, drum machines or whatever. I'm I'm out of that. My 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 thing is just give him songs and uh, let him do what they want to do. I will tell you, Autograph's album is going to have all of us. I, you know, Mark's on it. You know, we're we're really playing everything. So that I know. Matter yes. of fact, Randy's heading to L.A. in uh, like three weeks. I heard uh, he's going out to L.A. to do all the bass tracks. So everything will be done within three weeks for him to go play all the bass. Mm. That's great, Jimmy. It's great to see uh, you're going to have your name out there a few times this year. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. Okay. So I know you're playing up my way on Friday. I'm going to try to get out to see you. Uh, oh, this Friday? You're playing in Coming Salisbury, up. aren't you? Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm. I'm praying that the uh, um, the weather doesn't uh, divert that because I've been hearing some uh, uh, a lot of stuff about the storm. Please, please uh, keep me posted if you're coming. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll do my best to get up there. It's about half an hour from the house. Okay, keep me posted. Yeah. So, Jimmy, do you want to give out all the social media sites where people can get in touch with you or the band? Oh, well, definitely. Please, uh, obviously, go to um, autographband.com. And, of course, I'm all over Facebook. We're all over Twitter. We're all over Instagram. Uh, So, please, uh, you know, look us up. We're very grateful for all our fans. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody uh, in 2022. Well, Jimmy, always a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always great to speak with you as well. Yeah. All right, Jimmy, take care. Hopefully I'll see you in a few days. Yeah, absolutely. Let me know. All right, take care. Okay, buddy. Bye. Okay, there you go. Another great chat from Richie with uh, his uh, soon-to-be drinking buddy, Jimmy Bell. And I hope you guys enjoyed that one. And uh, definitely keep on the lookout for the autograph album. Pick that up. Support that band. I think that's the... I think the last one they put out was, was it 2015? It's been a while. Yeah. Um, he's going to be a busy guy this year. At, um, he talked about uh, the project he's doing mm-hmm. with Frontiers. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else is in it. Yeah. Um, I didn't even ask him off the record mm-hmm. who was in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's got that and then House of Lords. And, yeah. You know, his name's going to be out there. And so, uh, he's he's just a great player, a great guy. He is. And so last week, guitar player. This week, guitar player. And then in true focus on metal fashion, we're going to swing to a totally different side of the glass. Oh, yeah. And uh, next week, we have a great interview with an author. Not only that, it's East Coast again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, an author called Scott Alderman emailed me asking... Uh, uh, would I help promote a book that he's bringing out? And Scott was the guy that came up with the idea of Tattoo the Art, the tour that happened 20 years ago. Was it just maybe over, just over 20 years ago? And uh, it was there was tattooing, yeah, with heavy rock music, yeah. And the tour that went out, the, the one year it went out, it was Slipknot, Slayer, Sepultura, Seven Dust. Uh, Nashville Pussy, uh, one of the shows in Metallica on it. Um, and it didn't go as planned. Mm. 
and the book the book's only like 160 pages but the book's amazing yeah um from idea to you're not going anywhere you're not going anywhere yeah there's a light at the end of the tunnel no door shut um okay, we're going to go out and then the reality of going out to what they hoped had happened. Mm-hmm. And then you're trying to marry the tattoo artist with the, the music. Yeah. And one side is pushing, you know, saying it's not fucking working. And then some of the bands are giving them shit. Yeah. The venues. That's <laughs> like, man, how he, you know, survived doing it um, is amazing. It is the perseverance of the guy to actually pull it off. Mm to me was astonishing yeah yeah so that's going to be um that's like that's over an hour long that that chat too so oh, ne- yeah so next week um definitely you guys are in for some some good stuff um uh, uh probably for a lot of people like a story you probably never heard of oh yeah and uh, yeah, so you definitely. get a good chat and you could go out and also pick up the book and then really delve into it as well if if we kind of kind of whet your appetite for uh for the subject. Yeah, again, this was so it, different. I like doing mm. stuff that's different. Yeah, that's like I said. I mean, this is I think part of what's been good about the show is and I think what we get a lot of good feedback from people is that we don't just do you know, whatever's the popular thing right at that moment. We don't just do, you know, all-stars or whatever, but we, you know, we, we, again, we talk to producers, right? And the joke is we talk to producers because they actually remember what happened. Yeah, well, some of them yeah. are a little sketchy on that too. Huh. Um, but you know, but it's, it's, we talk to, we talk to artists and we talk to, to writers and like, so all the other ancillary people around, we, we talk to as well because they're all part of the story. Hmm. Um, even promoters, you know, with, uh, and stuff and, um, and other people behind the scenes and again, another death, right? Johnny Z. Um, we had, oh, yeah. you know, we had Johnny on the show. Um, so, you know, so we talked to a lot of people. It's not just the guy playing guitars or the guy at the microphone. And I think people like the show because of that. I think as well with this one, we don't touch on new metal a lot on it. I mean, a lot of that is probably my fault because I'm not really invested in that mm-hmm. area. And, you know, there's a lot of slip yeah. in this one. Though. And that's okay because, you know, when when Dario first came up with kind of the idea of the show, you know, it was that it was one we, you know, we kind of had this thing where within the show we were all over the place for the first couple of shows. And then it got to be the, that it was one week was focused on extreme metal and the next week was focused on classic metal, you know. So Dario and Mandy would do a week and Jay and I would do a week and it would flip back, back and forth. But we get a lot of feedback from people that were like, well, Whenever we go in, we don't really know what to expect. And a lot of times the folks that were in it to, you know, hear something about classic metal had no desire to hear about, like, what's going on with Behemoth. And likewise, you know, you were going in and, and you you were like into Behemoth. You really didn't want to hear a damn thing about Dawkins. And so we kind of got this very bipolar type of thing happening for the show. Um, so we do kind of have a conscious thing where we've we've kind of put ourselves into not a real narrow swim lane but still we, we've narrowed it down a little so yeah we don't really venture out that much into new metal and part of that is because i think people don't expect to hear much about that as well, i think as well as that i don't know much about it so yeah. the interviews of me would be what was it like working with this guy 
<laughs> you know, is this your be- best album and why? Yeah. In other words, I haven't a fucking clue what I'm talking about. Yeah. Generic question, generic question, yeah. generic question. Well, I mean, I do got a seven string over there, so, you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's yeah. next week. That'll be good. That'll be good for next week. But uh, for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for myself. And me again. Have yourselves a great middle week. And until we talk to you again next week, as always, remember. Focus on metal. Everything else is insignificant. You're still here? It's over. Go home.